0: Hello, everybody. My name is Adobe Nduka. I'm the operations director here at Mill City Church. Welcome. I am so happy to be here. So guess what? We are in a new series titled God Makes a Way. And in this series, we're going to be in a genre called the law. Now, of course, for the English language, the law is associated with punishment, crime, um, going to the courtroom, legislature, litigation. However, the word, the hebrew word that's translated into law is actually literally translated to teaching or instruction so for the israelites the law is not something that they, um it's not a way for them to gain their salvation by doing certain things however it's a way for them to live out their um, relationship with god so they can be witnesses around the world so In this series, we are going to talk about the different teaching or instruction that God gave through Moses about different um, offerings. And so for me, I have the pleasure to talk about the burnt offering and how Jesus fulfilled this offering. as, as you guys may know. And if you don't know, I'm gonna let you know, Jesus is the way the truth and the life. So yes, we're talking about Jesus, God making the way, but he definitely made the way. So that's what we're going to talk about. So join me. We are going to read Leviticus chapter 1, and we're going to read the whole chapter because this chapter definitely talks about the burnt offering. If you have your Bibles, I don't care what version you got. Let's turn to it. If you don't, that's okay. It's going to be on the stream. So let's follow. Follow with me. Follow with me. So it reads, The Lord called to Moses from the tabernacle and said to him, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you present an animal as an offering to the Lord, you may take it from your herd of cattle or your flock of sheep and goat. If the animal you present as a burnt offering is from the herd, it must be a male with no defects. Bring it to the entrance of the tabernacle so you may be accepted by the Lord. Lay your hand on the animal's head. The Lord will accept his death in your place to purify you making you right with him. Then slaughter the young bull in the Lord's presence, and Aaron's sons, the priests, will present the animal's blood by spliring spliring it against all sides of the altar that stands at the entrance of the tabernacle. Then skin the animal and cut it into pieces. The sons of Aaron, the priests, will burn a wood fire on the altar. They will arrange the pieces of the offering, including the head and the fat, on the wood burning on the altar, but in internal organs and legs must first be washed with water. Then the priest will burn the entire sacrifice on the altar as a burnt offering. It is a special gift, a pleasant aroma to the Lord. If the animal you you present as a burnt offering is from the flock, it may be either a sheep or a goat, but it must be a male with no defects. Slaughter the animal on the north side of the altar in the Lord's presence, and Aaron's sons, the priests, will spatter his blood against all sides of the altar. Then cut the animal in pieces, and the priest will arrange the pieces of the offering, including the head and fat, on the wood burning on the altar. But the internal organs and legs must first be washed with water. Then the priest will burn the entire sacrifice on the altar as a burnt offering. It is a special gift, a pleasant aroma. To the Lord. If you present a bird as a burnt offering to the Lord, choose either a total or a young pigeon. The priest would take the bird to the altar, rip it off its head, and burn it on the altar. But first, he must drain its blood against the side of the altar. The priest must also remove the crop and the feathers and throw them in the ashes to the east side of the altar. Then grasping the bird by its wings, the priest would tear the bird open, but without tearing it apart. Then he will burn it as a burnt offering to the on the wood burning on the altar. It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Let us pray. Lord God, I pray that your spirit, your anointing sit in me, and I pray, Lord, that breakthroughs will happen through your message, healing will happen through your message, and that also the strongholds will be destroyed, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as you can see, this reading is a little bit graphic, so I do apologize, I should've warned you early, so in case you had little ones around you, you know, to be cautious about that, so I do apologize for that. So it's a little bit graphic, however, I do want to point out two ways that Jesus actually fulfilled this burnt offering um, sacrifice here. So first, of course, is the type of offering. So as in our reading, you see there are three kinds. First, there's one from a herd, which is a cattle, one from a flock, whether it's a sheep or goat, and another one, which could be a pigeon or a total dove. And so for there's a reason for that, is because of socioeconomics. If you are wealthy, you do the cattle, because you can afford to buy a cattle. If you're middle class, you get a sheep or a goat, and if you're poor, you get a dove or a pigeon. And for Jesus, <laughs> He came presented, representing everybody. It doesn't matter if you're rich, doesn't matter if you're middle class, it doesn't matter if you're poor. Jesus came and become the ultimate sacrifice. And also, when you bring the sacrifice, it has to be a male. And has to have no defect, meaning it has to be perfect, no blemishes, clean, clear, holy, like nothing, like perfect. And Jesus definitely was that. He was fully God, fully man, even though he's, he was tempted, but he did not sin. And I want to read um, the book of Hebrews, where in this book, the writer of Hebrews was definitely... Um, talking about Jesus and comparing him and saying how he actually fulfilled all this um, offering. So I wanna read um, Hebrews chapter nine, verses 11 through 14, which says, so Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, um, which was not made by man's hands and not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. That, praise God, hallelujah, amen. Like forever, honey. Like we ain't coming back to do this no more. Mm Mm-mm, one time, one time only. Okay, I continue. (laughs) Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of heifer could cleanse people's Bloods from cer- from ceremony impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscious, our consciences from sinful deeds, so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal Spirit, Christ offered Himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for all sins. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Like Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, pure, holy, no defect, male, and he comes and fulfills this, um, this offering. And the amazing thing about it is this has been God's um, goal from beginning. This has been his will from beginning. Because if you go back to Genesis, we go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God literally talked to the serpent who deceived Eve and said to him that her seed will crush your head. But all you're going to do is crush his heel. Okay, so that has been God's, um, his will, his goal from day one. However, with you, I know you probably wonder, well, why does he have this instruction? It's just to give us a shadow of what is to come. Israel was supposed to be... Um, the first nation that was supposed to live out this example of what it looks like to serve God and let God be their king so that they can be witnesses to all the world. So God just gave a shadow of what that looks like, but here ultimately Christ came and fulfilled that. So I want to also read, um, another passage, Hebrews 10, verses 13. I mean, Hebrews 10 verses three to seven and Here he's talking about what the sacrifice, what the limitation of the sacrifice. He says, but instead, those sacrifices actually remind them of their sins year after year. Now for the burnt offering, now all the offerings, of course, they're offered every year, but the burnt offering specifically, they have to offer that twice a day. So in the morning and in the evening, just so that they can have this constant um, relationship with God, be able to come before him. So without fear of having sin in them or, with, or within them or sin that they've committed during the day. And Jesus came and did it all for one and said, now you can come boldly now to the throne of grace. Okay, love that. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you had given me a body to offer. Hold on, wait a minute now. God wants to offer. Okay, this is a little side note, okay? But God wants an offering, but then also provides the offering so he can give him the offering. That's my God, okay? I don't know about you, but that's my God. He wants something from you, but he's going to give it to you so you can give it to him. Love it. So he says, but you've given me a body to offer. You, will not ple- you are not pleased with birth offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, look. I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in scriptures. Our God is an awesome God, y'all. Talk about God making a way. Mm Mm-hmm. He not made the way. I love it. I absolutely love it. So let me tell you the second way that Jesus definitely fulfilled this, um, fulfilled this offering. He gave it all. He gave all. So in the, Passage that we read in Leviticus, it says, "Okay, I'm gonna be honest with you. In my re- in my research and reading and studying for this, I found that out of all the blood blood sacrifices, the burnt offering is the only sacrifice where you have to burn everything. Like nothing is left for the priest, nothing is left for the people. Mm-mm. Everything is burnt and given to God, and Jesus." gave his all he gave his life he gave his will to god to do as he pleased and this is just to give you a few examples first of all let's talk about him as a baby now for parents out there or people who want to be parents or aunts and uncles y'all know what i'm talking about like let's have a, let's just let's go in our imagination for one second Let's say you had a baby, a niece or nephew, and this baby is God incarnate, a perfect baby given to imperfect parents. That's number one. Number two, the parents, they don't work in the temple. First of all, if Jesus, okay, you like, okay, God the Father, you're bringing Jesus to the world. You would think he would give it to People who work in the temple, maybe a priest, for example, or a high priest even, say, okay, I want you to grow, live under their roof, grow into them so you can know the laws and know the, you know, protocols of the temple, da-da-da-da. That's not what God does. What do you do? He hands him to a comforter. Joseph was a comforter. Okay, another side note. If you ever have ever felt God say something, To you to do something and you feel inadequate? Welcome, (laughs) welcome. I mean, can you imagine Joseph? He's probably like, "What I gotta raise him? I don't know nothing about Torah. I don't know nothing about the temple. I don't know about rules. I'm just a carpenter." God was like, "Mm "Mm-hmm, you though. I select you. That's amazing." And then, can you imagine this amazing, holy child, fully God, fully man, who's perfect allowing imperfect parents to raise him. Okay, for those of us that are parents, now we know the, like, jack up stuff we do without imperfect children, let alone raising a perfect child. I'm trying to think, now, you know, I don't know about you, but I be thinking, okay, did Jesus slept all night or was he up all night? I'm trying to figure out his, you know, sleep rhythm. Like, how was he as a baby? Of course, this was not given to us, and God, thank God, that didn't happen because it would just be horrible for all the children. But I mean, I'm just trying to imagine that. And he just submitted and allow imperfect people to raise him. And then you see him at age 12. He is at the temple. First of all, him and his family did go to Jerusalem, which they do every year, go for a celebration, did their sacrifice and heading home. He decides to stay in Jerusalem in the temple. His parents and his family leave, they notice that he's not with them. They go back, they're searching for him for three days. They see him in the temple and they're like, son, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this to us? And he looks at them and says, don't you know I'm about my father's business? Now, I don't know about you, but I know Mary was like, boy, if you don't get your butt, if you don't get your butt home right now. (laughs) I'm trying to imagine, I'm like, okay. Jesus, you there the first night. I'm trying to figure out who, where did he sleep? There was the priest was like, cause he was there asking questions, talking to the priest, asking questions. I'm wondering if a priest was like, oh, your parents are not here. Okay, that's okay. You come sleep with us and does that the second day. And then the third day is like, oh, their parents are here. Oh, he decides to disappear. Okay. But he literally was like, cool. He did not argue. <laughs> He's like, mm-hmm, okay, mom left, right, leaves. We don't see him till about 30. He has already picked his disciples. He's at this wedding that he was invited to. And there's no wine. Here come mama. Uh, Jesus, <laughs> there's no wine. Here he go. A woman, he. I just says woman to her. You know what? Okay, she for sure is not black because I'm telling you right now, <laughs> if that was my mama and I said woman, child, I would not have no teeth. I'm just going to be honest with you right now. <laughs> But he was like, woman, it's not my time. She turns around and look at the servants. It was like, whatever he says, do it. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When I read that, I thought, oh, Jesus had been doing things previously to this moment. He has been doing some kind of miracle. He's been doing something behind the scenes for her to be that confident. And go to him when they run out of wine. I was like, okay, they run out of wine. You handle that. Move on. Okay, another side note. When you have a problem that you can't handle, just go to Jesus and be like, Jesus, this is your issue. And just walk away and do whatever he says and be the servant and just do whatever he says do, just do it. That's it. That's it. And Jesus obeys her. Even after he says all that, he obeys her. There was wine, fine wine to, you know, to be more specific for those of you that drink, you know, <laughs> So serious fine wine, okay? And... The interesting thing is he goes on his ministry and a shift happens. He is following what the father is telling him to do. And his mother, his brothers and sisters are looking for him. They come to where he's ministering, looking for him and people are like, Oh, your family's here. He's like, who's my mom? Who's my sisters? Who's my brothers? My mother, my sisters, my brothers are those that follow the Lord. Now, of course you'd be like, dang, he was obeying them all this time. off of a sudden, there's a Yeah, there's a shift, because now God the Father has said to him, it is time now to minister. And he was not going to let anybody to distract him from the mission that God the Father has for him. And I cannot talk about his submission without talking about the Garden of Gethsemane. I just, there's just no way. There's no way I can't even talk about that. And for any of you who find yourself In this part where God is requiring of you to surrender and give it up, let me tell you something, Jesus know what that's like. He goes to this garden. Now, mind you, Jesus knows from the dead earth was created that he will be slain for the sins of the people. And yet in this garden, he's going to the Father. My gosh, with a lot of anxiety. And saying, Father, if there's another way, please take this cup away from me. Anybody or any thought that comes to to your mind that makes you think that you have no faith because you are facing fear or you're having anxiety because of the stuff that you have to sacrifice. I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus because that is a real human emotion and Jesus went through it. But I'm telling you right now, he knows what it's like to hear God the Father say no. He has prayed. And but this is God the Son praying and praying. Got his homeboys to pray along with him. And they fall asleep. And he goes to them like, can't y'all stay up and pray along with me? They fell asleep, child. So he's there praying. And God still says no. Jesus know what it's like to pray to the father and hear the father say no, but yet trust him anyway. And still trust him anyway. He was on the cross. And he's just saying, Father, why have you forsaken me? He's now going through the sacrifice. And perhaps there's somebody who's watching thinking, I am going through something and I'm wondering if God is even real. Perhaps you're on the verge of even... Losing your faith right now because you just like there's no way God is real. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus know what that feels like. There is nothing that Jesus is asking of us that he himself has not walked through not one thing. I remember now, I, listen, I've surrendered my life to God. And you know, it's a process. You your new relationships, trying to figure out God. God already knows who I am, but you know, I'm going through this thing and I have this sense that God was calling me to go deeper. Like if to him, he felt like I had one feet in him and then one feet out here. I was not totally committed, but I was struggling with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm struggling with this thing, but I tell you one thing. I went through a heartbreak. I was loving somebody that did not love me back. And they made it very obvious. They said it straight up to me. And my heart was broken. By the grace of God, he healed my broken heart. And initially, I came to God. I was like, oh. First of all, so, you know, I told him about a broken heart. He healed it. I was so grateful, initially. I was like, thank you so much. Oh, that feels so good. My heart feels better. But right after I'm saying that, I don't know where this came from, but I remember saying to God, Lord, have I done this to you? And immediately when I said that, tears started to come out of my face. And for the first time, I realized, I thought, this must have been what Peter felt when he did die Jesus. And I cried bitterly. I cried hard. And I started saying to him, I am so sorry. I did not know I broke your heart. Because you have to understand, God has given Jesus. He continues to heal, continues to cover, continues to provide, continues to give me breath. And yet I was still hesitating to surrender all my life to him. And I remember in that moment, I said to him, by the power that rose Jesus Christ from the grave that lives within me, I surrender everything. Whatever you said to do, I would do it. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to hesitate. This is it. I'm all in. And I'm going to be honest with you. It has not been an easy journey. Of course, it cost me my marriage. I found myself struggling financially just to take care of four babies. But let me tell you something, I will not exchange it for the world. Because for the first time in my life, I was living because I was willing to die for somebody. And that's something no human being can take away from you. So I want to conclude with this. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you, right now? For some of you, perhaps God is a way maker. Maybe you find yourself <laughs> against something, against the wall, and you're trying to figure out how this is going to happen. And let me tell you something. If God made the way for us to have a relationship with him, to redeem our sins, surely there's nothing in this world that he cannot make a way for. So for you, maybe that he's a way maker. For some of you, perhaps that he's a promise keeper, you know? god gave a promise in genesis that the, the seed of the swan is gonna crush your head and it did come to pass it did look like it tarried but it came to pass god's promises brings hope and if you don't have hope it will make your heart sick so keep holding on to his promises it is impossible for our god to lie it is impossible just keep holding on just patiently endure and it will come to pass. So, for some of us, it will be to surrender. Maybe you find your, your, yourself in a situation I was where you're kind of in the middle trying to figure out, like, ah, is this worth it? Do I have what it takes to do this? I don't know. There's a lot of price to pay. And perhaps the Holy Spirit is asking you. Are you willing to make this relationship a two-way street? So far, he's been a one-way street. He's been giving, always giving, and now wondering, are you going to love him back? And like Pastor Ashish said last week, if you choose Jesus to be your leader, you will find identity, security, and purpose in him. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we want to say thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for having him to fulfill this spot where we now can become your children to cleanse our sins so that we can walk in and continue to have a relationship with you. Lord, for those of us who probably are struggling, figure out if, if they're even ready to give their whole life to you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we ask you send Your Holy Spirit to them to speak to them and remind them that through Your Holy Spirit they have the courage and they have the strength to do so. And continue to show them and remind them how much You love them. No one can love them like You can. We give Your honor, praise, and glory in Jesus' mighty name.